Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo, and you're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here with Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Sunday. It is a beautiful day, <laughs> if you like the cold. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. You know what? Um... This is a this is a good good day because you know I've uh, I've got a really unique guest you know and every now and then I stumble across somebody that I think is really really cool and kind of unique and has something to really share and um, you know I'm I'm I lean towards guitar builders of course you know and there's so many great guys out there that you know have sheds and shops and you know, uh, locations in their home and that where they're building some really cool handcrafted stuff. And, uh, this is that case. Uh, today my guest is Bernie Anderson. Uh, he's from the UK and he makes a brand of guitars called Elderwood Guitars. Um, I came across Bernie on social media, of course. I saw his guitars. I thought they were really unique. Uh, he was doing like, you know, drawings of them. And then I started to see, you know, posts of, of actual guitars and stuff like that. And I thought, this is really cool, you know. And here's a guy that really loves the guitar, uh, has been playing his entire life. And, uh, you know, he's turned that passion into something really cool. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it would be really cool to have a conversation with Bernie. Turned out to be an exceptionally nice guy. And uh, I really uh, feel privileged to have had the opportunity to, to spend a little bit of time with Bernie. And I think you're going to be too. So I'm not going to go on too much longer. Um, so let's just stop right there. And, you know, this is Bernie Anderson of Elderwood Guitars in the UK. Appreciate you, uh, you know, giving me some time, you know, the opportunity to talk to you about your guitars. I, uh, I see you on Facebook often, you know, posting, posting images uh, of the guitars and that. And so, uh, if you don't mind, let's just step back in time in that. Are, are you a player or are you just a builder? No, I've played in bands for quite a few years. Never, Anything too serious, never professionally, and it's kind of off and on, but I've always liked to play. I played drums for a while, but I've always been a guitar player at heart, but I, I don't class myself as, as anything spectacular. I'm a bit of a strummer, really, but I do like to play. And I have a band that I, we haven't been able to rehearse for the last six months for obvious reasons, but um, we're, all, we're all just a bunch of old geezers who like to get together and chew the fat, you know, and uh, play a bit of music and stuff. Yeah. So, so how did you get started playing guitar altogether? I mean, what what influenced you? I'm going to guess. You know, in America, it's like you ask most of the predominant players in our country. You know how you got started, and everybody goes, "Well, it was the Beatles." The first time I saw the Beatles on TV is what made <laughs> me want to play. So I got to ask well, you. You know what? What was it that led you to play? I can I can go back. Earlier than the Beatles, okay. To the shadows, Hank, Hank Marvin. Um, so when I was about thirteen, I used to knock about with a bunch of guys, and we'd see, we'd been to see all the, the Cliff Richard movies with the shadows and stuff like that. And somebody 
gave me, I don't know who it was, it was basically an electric guitar without anything on it. It was just a body and a neck. I can't even remember whether it was a proper guitar, but it looked a business. And we used to all play with this and pretend we were the shadows and we'd, we used to run around the streets as if there was hordes of young girls chasing us and stuff like that. <laughs> so I guess it would be the shadows, really, that, that started it off. And I remember having, when I was about 14, or probably when the Beatles first appeared, and I thought, I, I really like this, you know, the Beatles. And I had a terrible conflict inside because I had to accept the fact that actually I like this better than the shadows. I felt really guilty that I'd kind of showed some disloyalty to, to the shadows, but uh, <laughs> they were the first, you know, yeah. Yeah, and so what kind of guitar were you playing back in the very beginning? Uh, the first the first electric guitar I ever bought was a Fenton Wheel. Fenton Wheel was a, a brand that was made in London. Uh, an associate of Jim Burns, who made Burns guitars. Fenton Wheel, they were kind of like a spin-off of Burns. They were really, I mean, it had, um, how would I describe it, it had a, a fretboard like a cheese grater. So, you know, that was what I learned. And then after that, I, I got a, I had a, I had a Selma True Voice 10 watt amplifier, which now going for about a thousand pounds, you know. Yeah. And then I got a, a Hofner Galaxy after that, which was a bit of a step up that played a little bit better and it had, um, humbuckers type pickups on it. It was, an, it was quite close to a, a strat, really. It was the nearest thing you could really get in, in the UK then that looked like a strat. So I got that, and then uh, on my 16th birthday, my parents bought me an acoustic guitar, which was a, an Italian guitar, an Echo Ranger, which was a great guitar, and I've still actually got it. So it's um, 50 years old now, or thereabouts, more, oh yeah. Wow. So back in, in those days, even early on, were you interested in you know, doing work to your guitars, you know, modifying your guitars? Did you become interested in building in that Yeah, time? I think I probably was. I can remember yeah. when I was about 15, 16, trying to make the, the, the rudiments of an electric guitar in my father's garage. Uh, it would never have played because I didn't know anything about scale lengths or anything like that or fret positions. But I, I had an artistic, you know, I was quite artistic, so I had a kind of... And aesthetic about it, so I, I, I cut the body out from a piece of wood and I made the neck from something else, but I never got really beyond that. Um, so it was something that kind of lurked in the back of my mind for the next, you know, 30 or 40 years. And I, I, I started messing around guitar, with guitars when I, cause I was playing them, you know, so I'd learned, learned how to set them up and do basic repairs, soldering and that kind of, or Americans call it soldering, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff, you know, and, um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so it was you... really when I, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was really, it was when I retired, really. I, re I took, a, I took early retirement about, um, I don't know, 10 or, 10 or 12 years ago now. And I thought, I need to have something to keep me occupied. And I didn't have a workshop at the time. I'd remarried. And there was a, a, a garage at my new wife's house where I'd moved in. And so I decided I was going to convert this garage because the cars never went in it. I was going to convert this garage into a workshop. And as soon as I got the workshop, I started to think, I need to do something in here. I'm going to have a go making an electric guitar. And 
my first, the first few that I made are based them on the old silver tone down electro style where they used a, like a, a timber frame with, in England we call it hardboard, but I think in America you call it masonite. Mm-hmm. So you had a, a back and front made from this masonite on, on a timber frame. So the first three or four I made, that's how I did them and they were great. I was, and I was so, I was so pleased with myself. The first one I did, I took it down to band practice. I put a, I had a P90 pickup on it and I played it and I thought, wow, this is fantastic, you know. So <laughs> I made another three like that. And then, um, am I, am I talking too much here, by the way? Not at all. And then I, I, I'd always had this inkling, why can't you make a guitar from pine? And I discovered that some of the very first Telecasters were made from pine. And then I stumbled on this guy from New York called Rick Kelly, um, who makes guitars now. Carmen Street Guitars, I think it's called. And he's made guitars for all kinds of quite famous people. And he was using the wood from all the old New York kind of buildings that were being demolished, like the old bars and the speakies and, you know, hotels and places like that. And he was using the, he was getting all the reclaimed pine and building guitars. And I thought, oh, I could start doing that. So I started looking around for old pine coming from demolished buildings and, and things like that. And um, so that I made a few guitars using that as a material. And uh, and I discovered they sounded incredible because the the, the pine is a, is a naturally light wood. And it, when it's when it's old, all the resin has dried out on it, and it's it's got such an airy sound. They almost sound like you know a, an acoustic guitar when you strum them. So that's what I've been really been using. I've made a few from mahogany, but mainly I've just been using old reclaimed pine. And some of this wood, like, I get it from various places. It's 150, 200 years old, so it's well dried out. Wow. Wow. And, and so uh, <clears throat> on on your guitars now, you don't you don't have a store, if I'm correct, right? You don't have, like, a guitar no, store. I don't have a store. Yeah, you build that. I, I have actually... Um, I've sold quite a few through a shop in Newcastle on Tyne. Uh, there's a shop there called Kirby Sounds. And the guy there, Andrew, is a great guy. He likes really old vintage guitars, guitars with a bit of mojo to them and stuff like that. And so uh, a friend of mine who bought a guitar from me, who lives in Newcastle, put me onto this Andrew. And um, he took some guitars and he sold them about seven or eight, I think, in the last couple of years. Yeah, so, but... But uh, but people can contact you, and you'll build the guitar for them, correct? Yeah, I mean, right, yeah, yeah. Because I've seen some of your your, and I know some of the things that I've seen are just. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. They're they're more like uh, diagrams of something that could be built, as opposed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, when I, when I started make, building the guitars, the idea was. I would make guitars to my own design and sell them. Uh, but what happened is it kind of evolved from that. The people were getting in touch with me through social media, wanting not wanting a guitar that was already made. They wanted me to do like a custom build for them kind of thing. Yeah. So then I thought, well, because I was retired, I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it because I, I just enjoyed it, you know. And yeah. so I thought, well, this is this is the way to go. So the, the, the business model, if you want to call it, that was... A custom guitar, right, for the uh, the price of an entry-level guitar. So the guitars that I'm selling are competing in price with, you know, like Fender Squires and Epiphones and things like that. And uh, 
and that's the way it's kind of evolved. But what I do is because I've always been interested in in art. Quite a few years ago, I started to learn how to use um, graphic design software. So what I do is when I get a, get a, get a commission, I can actually do an illustration of the guitar so that the person actually sees what the guitar will look like. And, it, and then, then they can look at the thing and, oh, can we, can we have this kind of pickup or that? And I can change, chop and change things around. So they, they, before they spend any money, they end up with a picture which is 90% looking like what their, the finished guitar will be, be like. Uh, I, I don't know anybody else that does that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know anybody that does that at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really that's really unique. And you know what? And that that's actually extremely cool because you know most players really know what they want. You know, especially if you know if they've been around the block for a while or if they're pro players, yeah. they know exactly what they want when it comes to how they want it to feel and what they want it to sound like. Right. And they right. come they yeah. come they come to a guy like you because uh, you, you've got you've got some interesting. Well, you know, let's, let's put it this way. Uh, 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 an instrument is is kind of like a, an interpretation of your personality. Your personality and, you know, uh, yeah. the way you are, I mean, is shown in the instrument. And that's why they come to you because they're looking for something yeah. unique like that. But yet they yeah. want to get a specific sound. Yeah. That sound right? But I mean, the thing, the thing, the thing about the guitars that I make is I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not, really. Yeah. And I mean, a lot. You know, if you, if you look at any other custom guitar, you you start you're talking about two thousand dollars starting price. My guitars are like five hundred dollars because yeah. I don't use expensive components because I reckon, as far as pickups are concerned, I think there's a lot of myths about pickups. But if somebody really wants to go, you know go the extra mile and put Seymour Duncan's or bare knuckle pickups or whatever on the guitar, then yeah, they can, they can provide me with the pickups and I'll put those on. But I'm trying to make the guitar at a price point that competes with your Fender Squires, your Epiphones, you know. Yeah. Plus the fact, a lot of young guys, I've sold a lot, most of my guitars have gone to young guys in their 20s. I've sold guitars to older people, but mainly the young lads who can't afford, a, you know, Two thousand pound Fender Custom Shop or whatever it might be. So I'm providing a kind of uh, a service in that respect, I suppose. Right, that that nobody else is. Well, not that I'm aware of. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, nobody. I, I couldn't make a living doing this. If I, you know, right. I, I I worked out a while ago how long it takes me to build a guitar, and I think I was probably working for something like three dollars an hour or something. You know, but you couldn't live on that. But I don't need to do that. I'm retired. I have a pension and I've got some money in the bank and I just do it for the love, really. And, and so I get that what I get for the guitar, 50% of what I get covers the cost of the parts. And what's left, I keep a little bit myself, but I spend most of it on tools. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how many guitars do you build? I mean, like in a month's time. You just well, this, this this year, up to up to up to press this year, I've built about fifteen. Yeah. I've, so I've got I've got like five at the moment that are finished, just waiting for people to come and collect them. And I've just I've just picked up another order for a one just yesterday, which I started today. 
I've got two or three in the workshop of my own, you know, personal designs that I'm trying to work on um, when I get the, when I get time. Uh, so yeah, I could probably make tw- twenty a year if I was, you know, without busting a gut, you know. Right, right. Do, now, do you make them for people outside of the UK or just? The people that are like well, locally there for I, you. I did, I did have a contact with a guy in America got in touch me a while ago. And at the time, you know, I'm not familiar with all the, the stuff about exporting and importing. And, and, and this, these, are, these CITES regulations are getting pretty strict now about what kind of woods you can ship out and what, you know, uh, and packaging and, 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 and the cost of, of, of couriers and things. It's makes the, the Prohibited. I, I mean, I reckon if I had to ship a guitar to America, it would cost nearly as much to ship the guitar as what the guitar was worth. And then you might be involved with customs declarations and stuff like that. So I've kind of, I've stayed clear of that because really I'm, I can, up to, up to now, I've, I've been fully occupied just making guitars for people in the UK. In fact, I reckon 75% of the guitars that I've made have gone to Newcastle, which is only 50 miles away. Uh, the, the, the one I'm on, on at the moment for this guy is, he's in Brighton, which is the furthest away I've made one for, but I've had a guy uh, who bought two guitars from this shop in Newcastle. He bought two of my guitars and took them back to the Middle East. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, uh, the, the, the pickups in the, the hardware and stuff that goes into your guitar, I mean, what, what are you, what are you using for that? Because you talked about not using, you know, Seymour Duncans and DiMaggio's and things like that, of course, because yeah. of the cost. So, so what do so you, uh, so like what kind of bridge and saddle setups do you have and tuning pegs and things well, like that? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, all the stuff is, is, um, generic products. Yeah. I don't use any, I mean, if I, I mean, I have to say probably 75% of the stuff that I get comes from the far East. I do buy stuff in the UK but I suspect that the stuff that I'm buying in the UK has originally come from the Far East anyway. It's very difficult to know where stuff comes from these days, you know, with the, right. the world market the way it is. But most of the parts that you can... If I was to buy, for example, a bridge unit a bridge unit for a Telecaster, you know, with the, with the, the, the plate and the, and, the, and the bridge saddles, if I bought the original Fender part, it would probably cost me in, in dollars, uh, $40, but I can buy, you know, a generic version of that for less than $10. Yeah. And it's, I mean, you know, I accept the fact that with a pickup, there is some kind of smoke and mirrors, <laughs> a bit of alchemy involved in making pickups. But when you're talking about a bridge plate for a Telecaster, you're talking about a bit of chrome-plated steel and a couple of bits of round bar. It doesn't matter who's made it or where it's made. It's... A piece of steel is a piece of steel, really. You know, so. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. <laughs> that's funny. That's the truth. And so, uh, so it is your intention just to, you know, since you're retired and since you're just, you know, um, doing this locally and that, do you intend to, to ever expand beyond, you know, where you are or do you just continue? Well, I've, never, I've, not, I've never really thought about it. Yeah. I mean, my wife has an expression in, when she talks about businesses. Uh, what is it? A small farm well tilled. A small farm well tilled. 
So, in other words, if you try and expand too much, you can get too big for your boots. Right. And immediately you start getting other people involved and you have to start dealing with, you know, salespeople and accountants and right. all this kind of stuff. Right. The fun goes out of it, you know. I and and I, I'm just, I, I work on my own. I have a small workshop. There's barely enough room for me in there. So to have somebody else working with me, I would just find that they would, they would kind of get on my nerves or there wouldn't be enough space. <laughs> I'd spend more time supervising them than I, you know, and like, I'm, I'll, I'll be 70 next year. So, you know, yeah. any ambition, fame or fortune passed me by a long time ago. Really? Right. Uh, well, it, it's definitely clear that you uh, that you that you're kind of passionate that you really love guitars, or you wouldn't, you know, be doing what you're I doing. Just, I do. I mean, yeah. um, my wife will attest to this. Round our house, in fact, I'll send you some pictures. I've got about forty or fifty guitars dotted all over the house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's barely room to sit down in the house now because we have so many guitars around. <laughs> he's like he's like a hoarder with guitars. Yeah, a bit like that. <laughs> but I mean, to me, when when I was a young kid, my dad was very keen on guns, right? Yeah. And he had quite a good collection of guns, and he had loads of books on guns. He was interested in the history of firearms and stuff like that. And to me, guitars to me are what guns were to him. They're like they're like works of art, you know what I mean? I can I, I, I can sit and look at guitars all day long. Yeah, and he could do the same with guns. And we do. <laughs> well, you you know what? You're in you're in good company because I have sixty three. Oh well, there you know, I, I, I'm the same way. I'm that, well. That's why I do a podcast called Guitar Talk and talk to people like you because I yeah. absolutely love guitars as well, and yeah. I could stare at them all day long myself. Yeah. You know, I do. I love it. And, and that's what, that's what kind of drew me to reaching out to you, Bernie, was because the, the images that I saw, the guitars that I did see that you had made or you had drawn up were really unique, really cool looking guitars. And, uh, oh, thanks very much. Very yeah, retro. You. you know, I mean. Well, like, I mean, I start, that, that, well, before I started making them, I started doing illustrations of them. You know, I was, yeah. I mean, I reckon. If I went on my computer now, I've probably got close to 2,000 illustrations I've done over the years of guitars, you know, just, yeah. that's what I, that's what I do when I can't sleep. <laughs> right, right. I, I get up at, yeah, you know, I get up at two o'clock in the morning and draw pictures of guitars. Oh, wow. See, I get up at two in the morning and go play. <laughs> well, I do that as well, yeah. I do that as well. Wow, we're like kindred spirits across the we are, yeah, across we are. the world. Yeah, it's really wild. Where, where are you? Where, where are you in America? Chicago. Oh, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, blimey! I've, I've been through O'Hare Airport a few times. Yeah, I always get lost. Yeah, it's a big airport. It's big. It's bigger than the town I live in. <laughs> <laughs> Because my, my my wife's sister lives in Oklahoma, so we go there for holidays, you know. Yeah, wow. Oklahoma. Yeah. That's a long <laughs> way. That's a, Oklahoma, oh my God. And that, So uh, who are you listening to now? I mean, what kind of players do you listen to well, right I now, still, I, I, You know, I don't really listen to much what I would call modern stuff. I mean, to me, modern music is anything after 1970. 
Okay. My influences would be people like um, uh, Little Feet, um, oh. JJ Kale. I quite like Lynn Skinner, although I'm not too keen on the politics. But I like, I like, I like, I like barroom bands. The band uh, I've just, I've just read Robbie Robertson's biography, which was fantastic. Yeah. And you know, I, I like Steely Dan. Technically, I think they're geniuses. You know. Yeah. Um. And a few oddballs, people are, um, are very keen on an American, a Canadian guy called Todd Tibor. Have you ever heard of him? Nope. He's, he's fantastic. He's a singer-songwriter. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I've got an album. I played with him a few years ago. He came to Carlisle, and we were playing in the same venue that he was in. He was playing in the sort of in the concert room, and we were, we were playing in the sort of in the restaurant part. And I bought his album. And he was fantastic. And another band that came over from America called Luma. They were fantastic as well. So, you know, I've got quite an eclectic taste, but I like, I'm drawn to sort of Americana type of music. There's a girl group I love called the Wailing Jennies. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, I've actually heard of them, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole uh, uh, country, southern rock kind of, uh, genre of music now is is really starting to take off. You know, we've yeah. got a lot of great bands like the uh, Georgia Thunderbolts and you know Black Blackberry Smoke and you know there's so many great so many great guitar yeah. players out there. Did you come across those those two girls called Larkin Poe? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, they're fantastic. I like them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, quite a bit actually. They play quite a bit. And I do a lot of festival work, you know, prior to the whole shutdown and that, you know, when all that was going on, they were doing quite a bit of, uh, they were doing a lot of the blues cruises with Bonamassa and, and Eric Gales and oh, all those yeah. guys and stuff. And then, wow, that, that's amazing because, you know, some of my favorite, uh, uh artists actually come from, you know, your side of the world. I'm actually a huge right. King King fan, the Nemo brothers. Yeah. Oh, the, I've seen the Nemo Brothers, yeah. We saw them uh, a couple of years ago at Blues Festival, a local blues festival, um, Maryport Blues Festival. Yeah. And they were the headline act and the, the night we went um the Nemo Brothers, yeah. Yeah, and then, then you got players like Tom Quayle, you know, and, uh, oh, what's uh, um, uh, Martin's his last name? Oh, I forget his first name. Uh, but he plays with Tom Quayle. It's more of a... You know, rock fusion kind of player. Right, right. And there's some great players out there, though. So I mean, I, I was, I'm a, I've been a big fan of Tom Petty. I was really gutted when he passed away. You know. Yeah, yeah. Hit, that, that that a lot of traveling Wilburys, you know. But I thought Tom Petty was an incredible songwriter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and see somebody like Mike Campbell from that band, he would probably really dig one of your guitars. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> he probably would. Mention my name if you speak to him. I will, I will. <laughs> I mean, I, Mike Campbell's one of my favorite guitar players because he doesn't overplay, he plays for the song, you know, he plays yeah. just enough to, and I think the biggest mistake he made was going with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. Because he's just not, I mean, I saw a concert that they did with him and you could tell he was, he was like a square peg in a round hole. I mean, he'd been with Tom Petty since he was a boy. Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not Fleetwood Mac. I like Fleetwood Mac, don't get me wrong, but 
Yeah. Mike Campbell, not the right fit for that band. Yeah. I, I, I worked with this guy in New York that made guitars. His name was Jim Malozo. He had a line of guitars called Nikita. And when I used to, when I used to tour for a living, uh, I was endorsed by Nikita. And uh, Jim went on to make a series of uh, cigar box guitars at one point. I've just done one of those, yeah. Did you? And I actually, yeah. I actually uh, went to New York with Jim, and we gave one of those to Mike Campbell. Uh, oh, right. Tom Petty concert. Yeah, he gave one of them to, to Mike in that. He's not a hard guy to get get in touch with, you know, and he's... I, I, mean, I know, I've read about him. He scours eBay yep. looking for old guitars and stuff, but he's just... He's he, he been endorsing Duesenberg guitars quite recently, and I think yeah. they're really cool-looking guitars, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're nice. I've got an outlaw. They do like a, is it a Skyliner or something. It's called the a Mike Campbell signature model, you know. Yeah, I've, I've got the Duesenberg outlaw the ones, right. the one that I got. Yeah, it's real. They're they're nice guitars, really nice guitars. But uh, but I tell you what, yours yours would be really really appealing because of the uniqueness of them and the price point. You know, because there's a lot yeah. of guys like me. Even though I could, you know, I can pay, I can buy a two thousand dollar guitar. Shoot, if I could get a guitar that you know gave me what that two thousand dollar guitar would give me, which most of the times I used to buy old Fenders here. It's what I used to do. I used to buy the old uh, Mexican-made Fenders when they were two ninety nine and three ninety nine, and I'd strip them completely clean, and I'd completely modify them, all new electronics and pickups uh-huh. and hardware and everything like that. And when it was all said and done, you know, I'd have a guitar that actually would sound better, you know, or perform better yeah. than yeah. their their American-made custom ones, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good way to go, that, really. I mean, there's a, there's a guy called... Have you ever heard of a band called It Bites? No, I haven't. An English band called It... A great, like a fusion sort of band. Well, the guitar player, Francis Dunnery, his go-to guitar is a Squire. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I bought... A couple of years ago, I bought a Squire. One of these... They did these, this range called Pawn Shop Specials. Remember them? Yeah. And this was called a Cabernita. And it's a Telecaster. It's black with a, a white... Pick guard, it's got a TV Jones pickup on it, and the normal Fender, you know, bridge setup, and a Bigsby, and it was something like three hundred dollars. Yeah, and it is an absolutely fantastic guitar, unbelievable yeah. guitar for that kind of money. Yeah. But I look at guitars now, and there's a company called Thorman or Thorman in Germany, and they sell a range of guitars called Harley Benton. Right, and they're, they're like for nothing. Yeah. And I'm looking at these guitars, and I'm like, oh, that's a nice guitar. Like, $200? I watch a guy called Daryl Braun on YouTube. You come across him? Yeah. Canadian guy. He has a guitar channel. And he ch- tries out all these, you know, cheaper guitars. He tries the top-end top, top end guitars, but he occasionally gets these cheaper guitars and tries them out. And he's done this thing with, with Harley Benton a few times. And I'm looking at the. I'm thinking... Why would anybody buy one of my guitars when they can get a Harley Benton for the same money? <laughs> but, but it, you know, they're factory made. They're set up. They're fantastic guitars, but they're not personal. You know, that's that's what thing yeah. about. I, I realise that people buy my uh, my guitar because it's personal to them. They have a they have a hand in the design of the guitar. They feel kind of you know like um, engaged with it for that reason, and that's the appeal. It's not because of 
my guitars are fantastic or anything. It's just that it's like, you know, well, I helped to design. Look at this guitar. I've got, oh, well, I, I designed this with the guy. You know, it's that's the appeal, I think. Right, right. Yeah, they're they're really they're really unique, and there are you know, a lot of brands out there. The one you just mentioned, uh, the Bentleys, and then they got the Hard Luck Kings. I think was another brand that came out that was that was you know only a few hundred bucks here for Earl Slick has a line of guitars that are only two ninety nine right, yeah. or three ninety nine or something like that. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, and they're fantastic. They are, I mean, you know, you you are about similar age to me. You're probably a bit younger, but I can remember when I first learned to play guitar. Talking about, you know, you had a fretboard like a cheese grater. You <laughs> could not buy a, a cheap guitar back in the 1960s that was playable. Really, right. you had to really work to learn to play a guitar in those days. But now you can get a guitar for two hundred dollars that that'll play. As good as a Gibson, you know, in terms of the playing experience, the comfort, and all that kind of thing, right. it's as good. It might not sound as good, but certainly, you, you know, you, you had to have a bit of metal about you in those days to, to, to learn to play guitar because you had to work at it. But now you've got guitars for two hundred dollars that play like a dream. You've got people on YouTube to show exactly how to do this lick or that lick, or you know, it's a lot easier for young guitar players now. But there's some. Really great young kids playing now. I, I, I watch them on YouTube and I think, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot of phenomenal players out there, you know, sitting on the edge of their bed in, yeah. in the Philippines or somewhere, you know, just killing it. It's crazy, you know. I tell you what, Barry, I really appreciate you taking some time and talking with me. It was it was nice to meet you, even though it was over the phone. But to learn about you know your passion for guitars and what it is you're doing, and uh, well, definitely you know a lot of players I know go through your way, you know, because I deal with a lot of pro players that tour on a regular basis, even though they're not touring now. Uh, you know they will, and you know people should know about your guitars because they're really unique, and I can tell from talking to you that if I was to one one of your guitars. You know, it seems to me like you'd be the kind of guy that would be, uh, you know, really passionate about, you know, putting together something, you know, really, you know, really unique and, and uh, special, you know, for the player, you know, and that's, that's hard well, to come uh, by. You know, I mean, like I said before, I don't, I, I, I've got a friend actually, and he would be a great subject for your, your, your one of your podcasts as well. It's called Neil, Neil McCarty. I'll send you a link. And he builds acoustic guitars and he builds them from bits of old furniture and stuff like that. And they're absolutely fantastic. And he really is good. Yeah. I mean, it's far better than me, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and acoustic guitars, it's a, it's a whole different ballgame to electric guitars. I like electric guitars because to give me the opportunity to explore shapes and design much more than you would have with an acoustic guitar. Right. But, I mean, Neil makes these incredible guitars, and I, I class him as being very skilled. I just stick bits of wood together, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, they look like really nice bits of wood. They really do. The, the outcome is is pretty nice. It, it looks that way to me. Well, that's it. at the end of the day, that's it, isn't it? You know... It, the, 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 most of the guitars play the Met play really good, and uh, you know I've never had anybody complain and say, "Oh, this is a load of crap." You know, 
Right. Everybody's all over the moon with a guitar. When, when you see, when somebody comes to my house to collect the guitar, and my wife will tell you, I, every guitar I make, go, oh, I've made a mess of this, and this isn't right, and look at that, that doesn't look right, and this, you know. And then people come to get the guitar, and you, you give them a guy, and they go, oh, wow, that's fantastic. Oh, it's be- far better than I expected. Oh, it looks better than the photographs, you know. Yeah. And I, and I, and I go, I've got away with it again. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually got a guy in Georgia that I've bought guitars from that is, well, same mindset as you. I mean, same type of, same type of builder as you. The only difference is he only builds relic guitars. That's, All right, what, yeah. that's what he specializes in. But I like, like doing those. I like doing relics because if you, if you, if you fuck up the paint job, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so you can have a few in, in, in take care of the body, yeah. But that's all he does. But he's he's just like, he's identical to you. Same same kind of, uh, you know, business motto, if you will. You know, right, it's yeah, exact yeah. same. Just just a guy got a shop in Georgia, you know, and he makes guitars. I mean, his guitars aren't to me. They're not that expensive. You know, right. you know, I don't know, seven hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks. You know. Something like well, that. Well, he, he won't make a living at that, really. He'll be, he'll be living hand to mouth at that price, really. Yeah, and he no, he's not making a living at it either. He just does it like you do, just because he absolutely yeah. loves it. And yeah. uh, he's built two for me, and they're absolutely gorgeous guitars, and they play like a dream. I got one in a case hanging on my wall because it looks so nice. <laughs> it looks so nice. I didn't want. Well, to, thing I, didn't want when to I first started making them, it was like they were like children, you know. Yeah. I didn't really want to let them go, and so now when I when I finish a guitar and people say, "When can I come and get it? When can I come and get it?" I said, "Oh no, yeah, it's got, I've got to leave it for a, you know a couple of weeks to settle and before I do the setup <laughs> like that, because I just want to sit and look at it for a while, you know, before it goes." Right. Yeah, I can imagine. I could imagine. It'd be hard. So next time, next time we come through to, um, Chicago on the, our way to see my sister <laughs> in Oklahoma, we'll have to meet up. That would be great. I would, I would like that a lot. Yeah. It would be a pleasure to meet you guys. It really would. You know what? James Trusa, there's another one. What's that? I love his guitars. Who's that? James Trussard. Oh, yeah, 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 he yeah, makes- yeah. Makes the steel casters with the crocodile skin and stuff. Right, right. I mean, that, have, you, have you seen the crocodile skin? He just he had rubbish lying in his garden, and he had an old crocodile skin that happened to be lying over a, a, a rubbish bin or something like that. <laughs> and when he took it off, he noticed that it, when the rainwater had run through the crocodile skin, it left the impression on the metal dustbin. Wow. And that was an inspiration for the whole range of guitars, you know. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, the the Duesenberg that I have, the Outlaw, it has like that alligator crocodile like leather oh, skin fantastic. top. Yeah, it 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 looks like it, it feels like it too a little bit. It's it's a really it's a beautiful do you not guitar. Think that, do you not think that the guitar the the, the guitar player today is the modern gunslinger? It, well, uh, it's a good analogy. You know, I mean, it is. There's a lot of similarities. That kind of like, I mean, the guitar is a weapon, really, isn't it? You know, but it's a weapon for good. But 
when you see somebody who can play, it's it, it just like yeah, it's 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 that kind of thing. It's that it's that feel, you know. That it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, it's passion. Really. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I tell you what, it's been uh, it's been really cool talking to you, Bernie. Yeah, I've enjoyed and, it. And your wife as well. I don't know her name, but hello. <laughs> yeah, Jane. Yes, she's. Uh, <laughs> but well, it, it's been talk. a pleasure talking to you. And uh, man, uh, I'm I'm glad I reached out to you. You know, I'm glad we're connected on social media and that. So uh, yeah, well, stay in touch. Yeah, stay in touch. I'd love keep to looking at the pictures. <laughs> I'd love to do that. Who knows? Maybe someday, you know, something will happen and I'll be able to get one. You know. But, uh, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, I could die soon, like with this coronavirus, you know. So, you, I mean, it would be a, a good investment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, Bernie, you know what, buddy? I'm I'm gonna uh, not take up any more of your time, and I really appreciate you know you taking your time to talk to me. It's been. Like I said, it's, this has been a really treat I, I like for me. I like to talk about guitars all day. It's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you and me both. You and me both in that. So um, do you have a, you don't have a website, do you? You just use your Facebook, correct? Well, I mean, somebody suggested a website, but I, I have a friend of my daughter's who works in the media, and he says that for selling something like this, he said, "You bet. Social media is the way to go. So, yeah, and it costs nothing. Right. And I, I met a lot of interesting people through it as well. You know. Oh, I bet. I bet. Are you part of a bunch of different uh, guitar groups on social media? Well, I, I, I do connect with a few guitar groups on Facebook. There's a, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a guitar like." Road worn and relic guitars, which I quite like looking at, and then there's, there's amateur luthiers and there's various things that I dip in and out of. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's it's a wonderful community, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of great players. Um, and the funny, the interesting, none of them are reluctant to share with you. You know, there's none of this. Well, I don't want to tell him this because I, you know, this is a secret. You know, yeah. everybody's really open about what they do and how they do it and stuff. It's great. Yeah. 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 So if you would like to come and visit us in England, you're very welcome to come and stay with us anytime you like. <laughs> my wife used to own a, my wife used to own a hotel, so she <laughs> she gets with all symptoms, you know. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. Thank you so much. I'm hoping, you know, I don't know, I got a new band and uh, we're hoping that once things open up, we'll go back on the road and that. So I don't know, you know, I used to used to play and used to tour for a long time. You know, I've released nine albums, been on three labels. Oh, right. And so uh played with a lot of really good people, you know, I got to play with Buddy Miles and Delbert McClinton and... You know, All right. the guys from Ario Speedwagon and Buddy Guy and Robin Trout. Buddy Guy. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So. What, uh, do, you, do you like, uh, what do you think of Robert Cray? He's one of my favorites. Yeah, I like him. And he's influenced by Buddy Guy. Yeah, I like Robert. Robert's, uh, he's a good player. He's a super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like Robert a lot. I like, I like, you know, I, that's the world I was in was the, the blues and blues rock world, you know, I, 
I ran a label for a period of time, and uh, I had a radio. I had a regular radio show for three years, and right. uh, so you know, over the years, I've come to know a lot of those types of people, and you know, some of them I got to play with, or sit in with, or open for, or you know, uh-huh. different things, and um, you know, and, and when the pandemic started, this whole pandemic started, I had been talking for a long time about getting back in and you know, going back to the radio station and doing my radio show again because I I loved it so much and because it was a show where all I did was talk to to artists. You know, I talked to everybody from Charlie Daniels to Toto, you know, and uh, I really missed it. And so when the pandemic started, Uh I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast, but this time I'm going to talk about guitars and just guitars. Right, yeah. Have you ever come across a guy... In America, called Bob Angel. Bob Angel? No, I have not. He's got a, he's got a blues it's called it's called Bob Angel's Blues Outlet, and he's like a, a like a he, I think he, I don't know if he's in New York, but he's like a blues historian. And I came across him through a guy who I've done some work with in this country called Simon Raw. Simon Raw is a is an industrial designer, but he's turned his hand to designing guitars, and so I've helped him out on a few projects. And he's he put me in touch with this guy called Bob Angel, uh, and Bob Angel uh, has got this. It's called Bob Angel's Blues Outlet. He's on Facebook. I'll send you a link because he would be an interesting guy for you to talk to because he's like a blues historian, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, we actually, uh, at one point in time, in that we're working on a, uh, uh, like a documentary and a TV show uh, that was all centered around blues, except for it was centered around the uh, music venues. It was like a travel show uh, centered around uh, historic blues uh, venues. And we actually had a contract, believe it or not, with the BBC for a year for that show and uh, it ended up not getting released. But uh, I, I love the history of that. That's that's really cool. I know a lot of the old times, being from Chicago, I've gotten to play with over the years a lot of guys that aren't around yeah. anymore. You know? Oh, uh, yeah. They're all well, gone. it's been a big, a big, uh, a major player in the blues scene, Chicago, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and you know, and most people are are gone now. You know, back yeah. in, back in my day, you know, it was like you know Otis Rush and Junior Wells, and you yeah. know, there were so many, so many Coco Taylor and Lonnie Brooks, and there were so many of them, and. Uh, you know, you could hang out all the different clubs, and you could sit in with everybody, and you played with everybody, and you know now that whole atmosphere is kind of gone. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. kind, it's kind it's of really. yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of went away, and it's kind of a shame. Used to be that those kind of guys would take guys like me when you're young under your wing, and uh, you know invite you around and show you around and introduce you and give you an opportunity to play. There was a guy in Chicago; his name was Buddy Scott. And he had a band called Buddy Scott and the Rib Tips. And Buddy was uh, a Chicago staple. His mom played guitar for Elmore James. And uh, Buddy and his whole family were really musical. And they had bands and they played all over the city of Chicago. And I can remember that he was the person that kind of gave me a shot. And he would invite me to, you know, to all his shows. And next thing you know, I'm playing with Tyrone Davis and Bobby Blue Bland, and, you know, guys like Little Max Bobby Simmons. Bobby Bland? Yep. Wow. 
lefty dogs. Oh, probably Yeah. A lot of people oh, like... I love the way he clears his throat when he's singing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't it? <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So, but, you know, unfortunately, all them guys, you know, there's only a handful left. You know, you got like Sugar Blue and Billy Branch and Buddy Guy and Carl Weathersby and... You know, there's a handful of them, but you know, for the most part, it's it's a completely different scene now. Yeah. You know, and now you don't even know what it is. You know, because of COVID, because you know, there's no venues open anywhere. You know, oh, it's, 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 it's it's the same here. It's really hitting a lot of the performing arts badly in yeah. this country. You know, theaters are closing down. I mean, I've got there's a guy who uh, is a professional musician. I've done some work for him and his guitars and stuff and he's working as a, as a delivery driver now for a brewery because there's just no you know there's no work performing anymore yeah 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 there's a lot of guys that have taken on other jobs and stuff i mean the guys that are at the tippy top of the of the industry they don't have to worry because they got you know they got money but the guys uh. that are the working class musicians that that tour and stuff like that i mean those guys are all hurting you know, they're all hurting bad. But the smaller, you know, like local, local regional bands and stuff, they're playing now because there are some, you know, there are some small places that are opening up. All the theaters and, you know, big venues and stuff like that are still closed, of course. But so, you know, there's a whole fraction of the industry, you know, that isn't working. And guitar techs and promoters and managers and agents and venues and that they're not nobody's working so these guys are all hurt i mean guys that you would never expect in a million years to be selling off their gear or selling off their gear yeah you terrible. Know? yeah their collections you know the stuff that they never wanted to give up i mean there's some stuff for sale right now that i can't believe you know guys are giving it yeah. up but they you know what do you do yeah it's yeah. a it's a weird it's a weird time really but i mean yeah. like from my point of view it's funny because within like Probably a couple of weeks of this of this virus hitting this country, my the inquiries I had for guitars just went up. Yeah, <laughs> I've sold more guitars. I've made more guitars in the last six months than I've made in any previous six months. And yeah. I think it's just you know, people sitting around, not not going to work and, and guitar players. What kind of you know? I love a, I love I love myself a guitar made. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 a tough time for. You know, anybody in the performing arts, I think, well, not, not just that, but. Yeah. I, I just had yeah. Mike Delaney from Delaney Guitars on my podcast, uh, Wednesday. Uh, his show aired on Wednesday and he makes guitars for like Tommy Castro and Samantha Fish and Mike Zito, which is all, you know, uh, and I, I know those guys all come over to Europe and, and stuff like that too, but you know, they're, you know, they're the cream of the cop crop when it comes to you know the average blues players in in the united states they're the the working class if you will you know the walter trouts and people like that and uh and he said the same thing he's making more guitars now than he has in amp builders too andy foosh a friend of mine who builds foosh amplifiers He's saying the same thing, you know. He's building more well, amps yeah, now. Yeah, uh, somebody has told me this: the guitar sales have, have jumped since COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Who I like... said the electric guitar? Who said the electric guitar was dead? Eh? Yeah, well, <laughs> they they don't know. There's too many people that absolutely love it. 
you know. And I, I'm the kind of guy, I can't give up anything. I keep acquiring more and more. I got to get to this place to where I can sell something uh-huh. off to buy something else. But I'll tell you something, right? I have never, ever sold a guitar in my life that I've bought. Really? No, never sold one. I just keep them. Yeah. Um, because you, you never, you always lose money <laughs> on, yeah. on gear, really, don't you? You know, oh, so. Yeah. yeah. Just, Keep them. Yeah, I only I'll have, give them away. I've huh? given a few guitars away to people. Young kids learn to play and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I've only had one that I made money on, and it was a '67 ES335. All right. Yeah. yeah I, well, bought, you I, I bought it right. I had it for a number of years, and then when you know I I sold it, you know I, I made out okay. But that's it. You're exactly right. You know, usually you're you're losing money. You pay fifteen hundred dollars for a guitar and you go to sell it and you only get six hundred bucks for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. But, you know, there must be a lot of guitar players in the world because you when you look at the number of companies manufacturing guitars, big companies, small companies, people like me, you know, custom builders, somebody's gonna be buying them and then you think about well, all the ones that end up on the second hand market and oh, eBay yeah. and stuff. Yeah, there's there's a ton. I I know our my podcast and it's it's small. You know, I launched it in what J- July, July first. I launched it. You know, we've got over a hundred thousand listeners right now. Which wow, you know, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty good. But you know, you'd you'd have to be a. I, I, you're not a music lover if if you listen to the podcast. You're somebody that you know loves guitars. You know, uh-huh. in guitar music or, or guitar players, because you know, all the shows. You yeah. know, even when I even when That's I talk to yeah. even when I talk to somebody like Steve Lukather of Toto, you know, I don't talk about Toto. We talk about his gear. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watch a guy on YouTube, a guy called Rick Beato. Yeah. Have you, I mean, he. I, I love his channel. I mean, I don't understand half of it because he's, he's a t- technically he's a brilliant musician. And it's all, all of it goes over my head, but I just like the guy. He's got this infectious enthusiasm, you know, that comes comes across, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Well, Bernie, I appreciate your time. Barry, Barry. it's Barry, not Bernie. I'm sorry, I thought it was Bernie. No, it's all right. Barry Anderson. I, I, I answer to most things. <laughs> <laughs> but not Bernie, huh? <laughs> not Bernie, no, not tonight anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that, my friend. Barry, I appreciate it's Barry. it. I, I got it. Barry. Won't make that yeah, mistake again. My wife right? trying to do a, a, an approximation to an American accent. <laughs> it's Barry, honey. Barry. <laughs> She's had a few glasses of wine, I need to say, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I, it was great talking to you all, and uh, I thank you so much. And before the show airs, I will send you uh the graphic for it so that if you want to post it on your facebook and share it with anybody you're more than welcome oh great that's fantastic i'll do that yeah okay and i'm gonna probably uh uh you know probably air it in november um i would think and i think i think in november i got like orianti and kurt fletcher and is that Michael Jackson's guitar player, Oriana? Yeah, yeah, she played with Michael yeah. Jackson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, funny, I was just talking about her the other day, funnily enough, to my stepdaughter. 
Yeah. Yeah, I had two of his. I had her and Becky Barksdale. Becky also played with uh, Michael in that. I had both of them on the show. But Orianti's, you know, more well-known nationally and internationally. But, and there's that other girl that's quite, she's a blues player, like Lita Ford. She's quite good, like. Yeah, yeah, Lita's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Barry. I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah. It's been, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh -huh. Great. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll have to talk again, you know, soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for your time. And, if you're ever uh, in England, if you're ever in England, just look us up. You yeah. know where to stay. You're very welcome to staying with us. Well, I appreciate that. That's extremely kind of you. And you're probably very just, welcome. Okay. It's, it's the English way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I thank you so much in that. I will be talking okay. to you guys soon, and uh, I'll let you know when the show's going to air. Okay, Barry? Okay, yeah, right. You guys have a great day. Yeah, you take care. Yeah, stay safe. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you. There you go. That's uh, Barry Anderson and his wife with Elderwood Guitars in the U.K. I want to thank Barry and his wife uh, so much for being a part of Guitar Talk today. It was an absolute privilege to be able to spend some time with them and to uh to chat with them and to learn more about you know Barry's passion for the guitar, his love for it and uh, of course his Elderwood guitars. I think they're really unique, you know. Uh I look forward to the day when maybe I can get over in that neck of the woods and pick one up because I sure as heck want to play one. <laughs> That's for sure. So check him out on social media, Elderwood Guitars, Barry Anderson. And thanks again, Barry, for uh, coming on Guitar Talk. It was a real privilege. Just so you know, this coming week, um, on Wednesday, I've got Casey James. Now, you guys might know that name from American Idol. Casey was, uh, you know, one of the contestants uh, later on in life on American Idol. You know, he was a good-looking guy with the guitar strapped on. And, uh, uh you know what? He's a really talented man. You know, he's a great songwriter. He's a great singer and he's a great player. Now he wouldn't tell you that he was at, but you know, I think he is because he's one of those guys that, you know, knows how to choose, you know, the right things to say on the guitar at the right time, which, you know, we all know is, you know, um, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, that takes some skill. You know, it really does to be selective in what you say, because most guys are just blurting it out there, right? You know, let's say as much as we can, as often as we can, and just get it out there. You know, I like that too, but, you know, he's really selective. He really chooses his notes well, and uh, he puts his uh, parts together, I think, in a in a very, very uh, cool fashion and stuff. So his music's great. It really is. So Casey James is going to be with me on Wednesday on Guitar Talk at 3 p.m. And then next Sunday, you know, you're going to have the privilege of listening to John Carpenter. Now, you may not know John, but John is the owner and engineer of Thunderclap Recording Studios in Hammond, Indiana. I thought it'd be really cool to get somebody on to talk about recording from the perspective of the guitar as well. Uh, John's got a lot of experience. As a matter of fact, he was the engineer on my last 
uh, EP that I put out in late 2019 called the Thunderclap Sessions. Um, so, you know what, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it, especially, you know, if you're a guy that's got a studio in your home and, you know, you're talking about, you know, recording guitars and different ways to go about it and stuff. Uh, John's, John's a, a wise guy. He really knows his stuff well. So John Carpenter is going to be joining me, um, a week from today on guitar talk so next sunday it'll be john carpenter from uh, thunderclap recording studios we want to thank you guys so much for tuning into guitar talk um you know just so you know coming january 1st all of the 2020 uh, season episodes will be uploaded on youtube you'll be able to go to the archives at jimmy warren official or guitar talk official and hear any of the interviews from 2020 uh, across all the platforms of Google and Spotify and Apple and Anchor FM and all that. Plus, as I just said, they'll all be uploaded onto YouTube. Uh, you'll notice that some of the interviews that we're going to be doing here coming up in early 2021 are going to be Zoom interviews. Uh, I got Shane Terrio, uh, John Harrington, uh, Simon McBride. Uh, and a lot of great people, um, Josh Kennedy from the Black uh, Black Moods, uh, Andrew uh, Davis uh, from Them Dirty Roses. Got a lot of great guys coming on that are going to be on video. So it's going to be cool. So we're going to have both. So you'll be able to listen to every single episode from 2020 on our website, on all the streaming services, and on YouTube starting on January 1st. Okay. In the 2021 lineup, oh my lord, you know, we've just got a ton of great people coming on the show. You know, I just mentioned just a few, but you know, we've got uh, Steve Lukather and Lee uh, Rittenauer and Frank Marino from Mahogany Rush, and I could really go on forever and ever and ever. You know, I've been so, so blessed here lately to, to interview some amazing guitar players i mean just surrounded by them so uh it's going to be a great year 2021 and we know that that's the year that live music's going to come back and things are going to start rolling again and we're going to get to see all these guys live so um you know make sure you're following us on all aspects of social media on facebook instagram twitter uh, me jimmy warren and jimmy warren radio you're following us on YouTube, and you're going to our website and uh, following us on our uh, email list at Jimmy Warren Official and GuitarTalkOfficial.com. Make sure that you're supporting us on a monthly basis if you can. We really appreciate it. It just helps us to keep this thing rolling because, you know what, we don't do this for money. We do this out of passion and love for the instrument now. Okay, so I want to thank you. My name is Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And uh, look forward to being with you next Wednesday and the following Sunday. Okay, have a great day. <laughs>